Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. The Lord just deposited this scripture. All I have is a scripture, and then we're going to just take off. But it's going to be, if you have your Bibles, it'll be good to bring your Bibles to church um, or your phone. Um, I'm going to go to the book of Samuel, um, chapter 17. We're going to go Old Testament today. Uh-oh. I don't know why people get scared with Old Testament. It's the same God. It's the same Lord. And honestly, he's faithful. And, and I know in theology they teach you uh, that there's like these Old Covenant, New Covenant. But when you enter glory, I only discover eternal covenant. I'm telling you, that's all there is, is the love of God. I, I was raised old school Pentecostal, and I, we were scared of the Old Testament because the Old Testament was punishment. I go through it now, I can't even find the punishment because all I see is a loving father crying out to his rebellious children. See, we thought, we were taught that God could be mean. No, our people could be mean. It wasn't the wrath of God, it was the rebellion of the people. If you read it rightly, you'll see that God from the very beginning was good, and God is still good. In the very beginning, God was faithful, and in the very end, God is faithful. And throughout the whole middle, he's faithful. Because he's the God that was, he's the God that is, and he's the God that is to come. But through man's traditions and cultures and what we experience and what we're taught, we're taught of this vengeful God that will smite you. But it's because of lack of wisdom and lack of knowledge. But when we learn scripture, we'll be like, oh my God, that's what happened. Oh my God, the flood, right? Got so mean. You better go read the Bible and you'll see what was really going on on earth. And then you realize, oh my God. I know, I know people, a lot of people don't say this, but I'll say this. If you never read the book of Enoch, I suggest you read it. It's going to blow your mind. And you'll be like, "What? Well, that's what happened. The Bible says that there was only one holy, righteous man left on the face of the earth. The enemy had taken over earth through hate and bitterness and rebellion and destruction. There was one man left. What would have happened if the rebellious people would have taken out Noah? In reality, God was saving his children and needed that was all he had left so a descendant can come through. That's really what happened. But we don't see it that way. We just see it as people. Open your spirit eyes. We have to open up our spirit eyes. There is a field. And in this field, the Lord planted his seeds. But then the enemy came also and planted seeds. And the tares grow with the wheat. And the tares are trying to drown out the wheat. Because the enemy doesn't want the wheat to grow. There's wolves in sheep's clothing. There is. But only through the fruit of the Spirit, we know who's who. Don't get so caught up in people that are so holy and anointed and crowds joining thousands and thousands of people. We have to get to the place that we are looking for fruit. 
And fruit is not multitudes. Fruit is not miracle signs and wonders. They're wonderful, but they're not fruit. Nice clothing, a lot of money is not fruit. And he's already taking me through a whole different message. I promise. I'm going to talk, I'm supposed to be talking about, well, the title that I feel in my spirit is, I cannot wear your armor. That's the word God deposited in me. But I also feel like I have to say this. We get so drawn by personalities. People could, I could come up here and give you a show. So you, I cannot have you want to be like me. I want you to listen to who I give glory to. Because I never talk about me. If I'm going to boast, what do I talk about when I get up here? I boast about my weaknesses. I boast about my struggles. I boast about the sins that I was in and how Jesus met me in that brokenness. So I'm constantly pointing people to Jesus. Because that could be a pretty hot mess. Don't get me on a bad day. Wally knows. Frankie knows. This guy knows. Don't get me on a bad day. I'm human. But I'm constantly coming to the one that's perfecting his will in me. But there's this, this, like I was saying, tears and weep. There's division everywhere. And we're called to heal. We're called to restore. We're called to redeem. This is the God that we serve. A God of reconciliation. A God of restoration. A God of redemption. A God of healing. And sometimes we get so drawn by who's the next famous worship team, who's the next famous preacher. And we long to be like them. You don't even know them. You only know the appearance they give you for camera. Oh, you want to be like the movie star. You don't even know the mess they go through. You don't even know the addictions that they have. You don't know the perversion they're walking through in their secret place. Some are just eloquent speakers and you call them anointed. Some are just good at it. If you don't believe me, go look at videos of Beyonce and in her, in her concerts, people are faint, people get slain. It's on, it's, I've seen it. It's just a talent and the talent could give you chills. The talent could make you jump and shout. But is it leading you to praise the King of kings and Lord of lords? Is it leading you to find out who you are or you just want to be like him? If you don't want to be like him, then we have a problem. If you come to this church and you're looking at me because you want to be like me, we have a problem. Because I don't want you to be like me and I don't want to be like you. I cannot wear your armor. I cannot. I don't want to be like these preachers. I just got back from a conference and I went because I felt the Lord leading me. Usually when you go to a conference, you come back, you're like, oh my God, I got to change this, 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 and this. And I feel weird because God was like, no, you keep doing what I called you to do. I left that conference. I was like, I don't want to be like you people. I'm, I'm, I came back with a clear understanding that I'm going to do what God called me to do, and it doesn't look like anything you've seen before. That's it. 
It's not going to look like, like it. We're not going to worship like the next church. We're not going to worship like Upper Room. We're not going to worship like Bethel. We're not going to worship like Hillsong. We're going to worship like the resting place, South Tampa campus. We're not even going to worship like another campus. We're going to worship like what God is doing in this house. Because God's brought a unique group of people here that have specific encounters. And if you realize the value and worth of your moments in private with God, you'll see the might that you really carry. So we're going to read the story of this part of the story of David. Not the whole story of David because it will be here all day. But uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 through verse 45. And we're just going to go. We know, you guys know the story of David and Goliath. You know that the giant Philistine was coming against God's people and cursing them. So we're going to start there. And then David shows up. David's just this pastor boy somewhere, you know. I know, I know, I know people in this room. I know some of you were Davids, are Davids. You were out there. The son of shame. You're, you're weak. You're a little bit wild. You're always talking about God and you think you see God and you talk about you visit God's house. Go out there and just tend to the sheep. But the sons, the, the powerful ones, the ones that look powerful doesn't mean they're powerful. Don't get so caught up by appearance because God might bring a little crippled person and they will carry true anointing. And the one that has the really nice suit, God will be like, sit down, it's not you. It's that easy. It'll be the little one. The one that wasn't seen, the one that was rejected, the one that was told by his own family, God could never use you. You're last on the list. But you see, that's the God that we serve, the God of the opposite. I went to glory the very first time on July 20, 29 of 2001. And I always tell people, it was like an oxymoron. What do you mean? I was like, an oxymoron is like two things that contradict themselves. But when you're in the glory, you're like, huh? huh? It, it just is a collision of opposites, if that even makes sense. I wanted to run. It was so much glory, I wanted to run away. And at the same time, I wanted to stay right there. I wanted to be silent, but I wanted to shout. I was rejoicing, and I was trembling at the same exact moment. That's what it is to be in the presence of God. It's a fullness that I understand why physically human beings can't even tolerate the fullness of. I think you'll explode because there's so many emotions in one experience, in one moment. There is a fear and there is an awe. There is a silence, but there is a noise. I remember uh, the wind was so loud and the wind was so ferocious like the tornado. But when it touched me, it was gentle and it was soft. And I couldn't understand how one thing could be two things. And that's what it is to be in the glory and in the presence of God. And But that is the God that we serve. I constantly speak about it. He's the God of the opposite. He comes in and he takes the bound and makes them free. He takes the blind and makes them see. He takes the dead and brings them to life. He takes a whore and makes them a wife. That's what he does. He takes the broken vessels and somehow he can restore them. 
He takes something that is empty and he simply makes it overflow. He takes the poor and say, tells them to say, I'm rich. He takes the weak and tells them, say, I'm strong. I'm telling you, go back to your Bibles, you'll see he's the God of the opposites. If you go to Isaiah, he takes your mountains and makes them valleys. He takes your valleys and makes them mountains. He, he, makes, he fills the desert like rivers, but yet dries up oceans. This is the God that we serve. He takes the rejected and calls them loved. He takes a boy like David that was a story of shame. If you read his story, David was kicked out. He was aside. He didn't fit in like his brothers. You don't believe me? You could also go to the story of Joseph. He takes an old man like Abraham and gives him a child in old age when everybody else was having kids when they were young. Maybe you saw everybody in your youth ministry, oh, they already became pastors and I'm still here waiting. And wait a little bit longer. Because those that wait on the Lord, those are the ones that mount up on wings of eagles. They are the ones that run and not become weary. They, they run and not be faint. Oh, but I was young and everybody already got married and my sister's already got grandkids and I'm still here going, what's ever going to happen to me? Wait on the Lord because he's faithful. And because his plans for your life are greater than what you think, greater than what you imagine, you're not going to look like them. You're not going to wear their armor. So let it go. Stop trying to act like the next preacher. Stop trying to act like you're going to do what they do. No, you're not. You're not. Accept it. You're going to do something greater. You're going to do something better. You're not going to prophesy like that prophet. They were only pla placed, not so you can want to be like them. Those people, every minister out there should just be an example of God's faithfulness. It's not for you to be like, oh, I need to be like them. No, there are examples of God's faithfulness to encourage you to trust God enough so you can see that God is going to take your story and turn it around and make something beautiful. You, it was never to be like, oh, I need to be like David. I don't want to be like David. I don't. I don't want to be like Abraham. I don't want to be like Noah. I want to be like me because God made a story about me. We over here on earth reading the story about them, you should see them in heaven reading a story about you. You think there's not a great host of witnesses and David and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are looking at you right now, cheering you on? The scripture says they long for these days. We'll be here like, oh, we wish the days of old. And they're over there like, we wish the days of new. Because that's what God is constantly doing. We're going from glory to glory. He never said a former glory. He said the new glory will be greater than the former. There's something even in our generation. Oh, we wish we could be from the 70s. We wish, no, we cannot stop wishing. You were born in this time and in this age for a reason. Even your issues, your struggles, your journey, your life, there's a reason. My mom left me. I was molested. I was in the gay club. Man, I have the best story. 
And if you don't get to a place where you take ownership of your story and you become excited about your story, you're going to just be another pastor sitting there like, I just want to hear the next guy. No, God called you to stand up. God's called you royal priesthood, holy nation, chosen generation, peculiar for a reason. To announce the virtues of the one that brought you, not me. To announce the virtues of the one that brought you from darkness to marvelous light. Stop trying to give my testimony. Stop trying to give the other person's testimony. You need to give the story of the darkness you were in and then tell people how he brought you to marvelous light. But we still think that another man's story is more powerful. Okay, fine, they have 5,000 people following. So what? If they're not following Jesus and they're following men, so what? So what that a man will gain all the riches of the world and at the end lose his soul? So what? Maybe you let one. But that one changed the world. It's not a comparison game. We live as Christians comparing, trying to outdo each other. And yet, this life on earth is a race. And it's not a race against anybody else. It's not only one winner. The Bible says if you persevere till the end, you will obtain the crown of life. It's a marathon. You know what marathon means? Everybody's on their lane, and we're all running this race. Some run it faster, some run it slower, but make it to the end. Don't get in my lane. I'm not going to get in your lane. That's your track. This is my track. I'm going to stay right here. Whatever obstacles come my way, I just got to keep going. We're not going to go through the same obstacles at the same time either. Everybody has their own unique obstacle course. And you're just going to have to, you mess up, get back up. You can't get over that huddle, go under it. Go around it. Flip on it. Pick it up. Move it to the side and keep going. Sometimes we stay stuck. Well, I can't get over this. So I'm just going to stay here forever. Have a hole under it. Crawl if you have to. Knock it down. So I'd be like, well, he jumped over the hurdle. That means I need to jump over the hurdle. Well, maybe you're supposed to grab that rope and swing right over it. Maybe God gave him a rope. Maybe God gave you a ladder. Well, there's a hole. How did I get through it? Maybe you got to build the bridge. Maybe grab the rope and swing over like Tarzan. Maybe get a jet pack and fly over it. Why you got to try to get over it the same way everybody else got over it? And maybe God's trying to give you a formula. So you could go write a book. So you could go tell a story. So you could go tell the world of his faithfulness and his might and his goodness. Can't even read the verse. <laughs> I get caught. I just get caught. But look, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Okay, you got a giant. Don't lose heart. Be strong and be courageous. For the Lord is with you. There's a Philistine coming against my church. There's a giant. There's a battle. We all say it. There's a battle I'm fighting. And, and, do not lose heart. Why are you going through this battle and now you, you're afraid of what God told you originally? No, trust God. 
in the very beginning. Your servant will go and fight. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You ever, you ever had a minister? Because Saul was anointed. And all of a sudden, God called you to the streets. I, let me tell you my story. I remember back in 2004, the very first time I was in my church. It was 2005. Guys, well, 2004, God was already telling me. He used to be like, you're going to reach a gay community for me. I'm like, what? How? You've never, never seen that. He's like, you're going to bring Jesus to the gay community. No, but, but my church doesn't even want. I was bringing gay people to my church, and my leadership would go, you're bringing too many of those people here. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to say it. And I used to say, what, what kind of people? Sinners? Because all I'm bringing to church is sinners. Sinners that want redemption. Sinners that need to know the Savior. That's what I'm bringing to church. No, no. Those people. That's how I was. But God called me. And I remember 2005, I told my, best, my two best friends, I go, hey, God wants us to go to New York City Pride. I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea. I'm scared. I don't even know how to evangelize. But we got to go. So I'm like, well, I'm going to honor my pastor. I'm going to honor my leaders. Hey, um, on this Sunday, on this day, I'm not going to be in church because God wants me to go to Gay Pride. Oh, no, no, you can't go. Why? You might catch a spirit. I might catch a spirit. But I thought the Bible said that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, you have rebellion. Now it's rebellion. And rebellion is a form of witchcraft. Really? I'm hearing God's voice to get the lost, but because the church doesn't want these type of people in church, they don't want me to go? You know how many homeless people I've met in the street and told me they walked into a church and were walked right out? Come on, too many. Too many because they don't look the part, they don't act the part, they don't smell the part. But what is the part? Isn't Jesus the part? Wasn't finding the lost the part and purpose of this whole plan? But somehow we forgot that church was for the lost and now it's for the perfect saints that never perfected themselves and only got perfected by the holiness and glory of God anyways? Because if we would have been so perfect, then we didn't need a savior. But we forgot what the blood did for us, so now the blood can't work for them. That's how it was. I was like, oh, but, but the Lord told me to go. Well, the Bible says that you need to submit to your leaders. And I was like, but the Bible says that it's better to obey God than to obey man. Oh, you're getting too much into the word, and I think you need to get into the word. Because they'll use the word to stop you from your destiny. So are you going to listen to Saul? There is some people that are anointed but forgot what God did for them. They still anointed. They still have the gift. They still have the talent because God is not an Indian giver. When God gives you a gift, the gift is irrevocable. But we are responsible to do good with the gift God gave us. 
We are responsible to walk in boldness and authority with the gift that God gave us. And it should be used through the Holy Spirit. And it should be used through the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are the battery to your gift and your talent. Just make sure you're putting the right battery into your gift and the right battery into your talent. You don't want to get surprised later on. You want to know you're doing it with love. You're doing it with goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness. You want to do it with a sound mind. You want to do it in joy and in peace. You could preach. There's a lot of preachers out there. But I've seen some preachers that I'm like, that's not. The devil knows the word of God. The devil tempted Jesus with the word. Okay? He's going to tempt you and he's going to tempt me with the word. But you better know the tone of the word and you better know how who spoke the word and how he spoke it. Because the enemy will speak to you the word. Ask Jesus. He came to Jesus tempting with the word. See, that's the difference between the first Adam and the second Adam. They both got tempted with the word. They both did. Well, didn't God say? Well, you know God said. And Adam failed. But then Jesus confronts the same temptations. The serpent is tempting Jesus too. And Jesus is like, it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Boosh. He's going to tempt you with the word. It sounds holy. Oh, well. It sounds good. What? Oh, you, you can't you can't fight the devil. You can't fight the giant with that armor. Let me give you my armor. No, that's your armor. I can't wear your armor. You wear your armor. Let me wear my armor. And my armor might not look like your armor. It might not look so eloquent and fancy and shiny like your armor. But that is not the armor God gave me. That is not the anointing God gave me. That is not the gift God gave me. So I refuse to compromise and wear your armor. I refuse to do it the way you do it. Because that's not how God delivered me. You know that the very armor you wore to fight your battles when nobody was around, when nobody knew your name, is the exact same armor you're going to wear when all the famous ones come. Like, oh, now you're so-and-so. Oh, it comes to a place where you're in obscurity, but it's in obscurity you find how God is. And because of the glory, because of the grace of God, you're placed in certain positions. But that could also be a test to see if you're going to compromise what God gave you in the very beginning. Maybe God gave you a song when nobody was around and you were going through your desert, but all of a sudden you get to church, you grow in ministry, and they might be like, uh, we don't like that song. Maybe you should change your song. Are you going to change your song? It was the same song that David sang. And let me tell you something. There were forces on, on Saul, tormenting Saul. And they were trying to change David before David got into his place. He told them, you better know who speaks to you. If God gave you a dream, they might look like a man of God. 
they might look like a woman of God, but if they go, if God told you, Wally, you're going to the nations, and the man of God says, you can't, you won't make it, you better look at him in the face and go, I find you, ye Satan. It happened to Jesus with Peter. Jesus is his buddy. It might come from you. It might come from me. Don't take it from me because I'm a pastor. You better know the word of God because you don't know if I'm messing up and I open my life to an evil spirit and all of a sudden you're following a man that is bound. Well, I'm going to do everything he says. Really? Study. This is what you need to do. Study your word. Read the word of God. Pray. Pray. Don't only come to glory soaking night to pray. Make sure every night you pray. Because one day I'm not going to be here. One day I might mess up. One day I might give up. Not declaring that over me, but you just don't know. What I want you to do is to seek the face of God. Get to know the voice of God. Walk in intimacy with God. That you will know that God is forever present in your life. That no matter the storm, no matter the trial, no matter if your church gives up on you, I'm still walking with the Lord. Because he's the one that saved me. He's the one that redeemed me. He's the one that restored me. He said, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. I guess, I guess, um... He didn't know the story of Jeremiah. <laughs> when Jeremiah was like, but I'm only a young man. And the Lord says, well, I'll tell you to go, you will go. And what I tell you to say, you will say. God wasn't like a monster to Jeremiah. God was like, hey, I'm feeling you. But, but I don't know how to speak. I don't need you to know how to speak. He's like, I'm putting myself in you. I'm going to fill you with my word. And then it literally says in the Passion Translation that God reached out and touched Jeremiah's lips. And then it says, look, I have put my words in your mouth, hand delivered. I'm like, you are so funny. He literally was like, here, now speak. Moses, uh, 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 I can't. <laughs> I don't know if he was a stutterer or if he was just shaking on his boots when he saw the glory of God. It was probably both. <laughs> You ever experienced glory? <laughs> Let me tell you, it's, no, it's beautiful, but it's no joke. There's times I experience glory, I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> you, you almost feel like the air just gets so thin, and you're just like, <sighs> it's just his might and power. And yet he's gentle. Imagine if he was evil. Or, <clears throat> we just, you know, you ever seen a little mosquito fly into those light zapper things? It's just like, <clears throat> you don't even see the bug. You just hear the zap. That would have been us if God was a destroyer of planets. He's a healer of the people. He's the savior of the world. The redeemer of the nations. And he comes with, he's so powerful. And yet, uh, it's mind-blowing that this ultimate being can love all these broken vessels. And say, oh, I'm going to do something with you. You all think you're so worthless. But I'm going to, you know, every single one in this room has battles in your mind. Every single one of you gets tempted with doubting what God said. Me too. And God has us there. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to save you. I'm redeeming you. I'm changing it all around. You see all those things in your little heads that don't make sense? Oh, it's all going to work out for the glory of God. We're just trying to process. None of us has the capacity as much as we try. 
we don't have the capacity to really fully understand. Because you're like, oh, but I, but I, but I, but I. He's like, I got you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's the God we serve. So this ultimate being with ultimate power, the ultimate power, still wants us. Like, he wants us. He doesn't change his mind about you. People will change their mind about you. But not him. That's crazy. I'm like, he's like, come. And I just got to follow. Just follow as scary as it is. He's just like, you just got to learn to know that he's good. I, it, you don't need a big sermon for that. It's something you're just going to have to walk out through the rest of your life. Every single one of us. None of us is, none of us is exempt from that beautiful, glorious journey of discovery. Because that's what it is. Hurt, molested, used in religion. We all, all our stories are very similar yet very different. But the beauty of it is that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, He's calling out to us. He wants us. He desires us. He loves us. So even though we're told you're only a young man, all these excuses. All these excuses like David didn't know. David knew. David's like, yo, what happened was that when I was out there in the woods, Jesus came for me and I went to his house. Read the Psalms. People think he was just writing poetry. No. The whole world writing poetry. Why is it that his poetry has lasted all these generations? Because there was an encounter. These, these prophets were not like, oh, let me just make a story about God. No. They saw God. There is such a thing. God could, God could open the ceiling up right now and show us a glory that we all could go psychotic through the nations, preaching the gospel, and never stop again. But are we even willing to lay down our natural lives? Because you might see a glory, and you might walk for the rest of your life preaching the gospel. I've met people like that. Not everybody's going to encounter God and be like, ooh, I'm a famous preacher. Give me a TV show. No, there's people of God that encounter God. They're like, with a little backpack on their back. It says, by family, by friends, until heaven. I'm leaving. I'm telling you, there's people that have done more for the kingdom of heaven than the preachers you see on TV. There's more people that have no names on earth. But when you get to heaven, you'll see that the famous ones are last. And the ones that had no name on earth will be first. And we're going to be like, Who, who's that? And God's going to be like, yeah, this is this young girl from this country. And this is what she did. We're going to be shocked and astounded. We're so excited to go to heaven and meet the disciples. The disciples are going to be to one side. And the Syrophoenician woman is going to come up. This beautiful queen. Who's that? I'm the Syrophoenician woman, and this is my name. And who's that? Oh, I, I, I was the demon-possessed man of Garadine, and this is my name. And this is what God did with me. We don't even know their stories. We think it was just the 12 disciples and Paul. But how about all the other people we never got to find out their names? How about the people that their names did not go in the journals? Because the Bible is just a big old journal, if you didn't know this. It's people, I got a journal. I can sit here and read to you my journal of the things that God's done in my life. And I know I've seen the glory of God because I look back at my journal. And what I wrote years ago, I live it today. And I didn't write everybody's name on there. I was like, a lady, a prophet, a man. 
And you know how to many people out there, I'm a prophet, I'm a man, some stranger in the streets, that's my name. Only when they get to heaven, they're going to be like, that was the man that spoke to me that night. And I choose that. I'm pastoring because God called me to this. Because if not, I'm ready to take off to the street and nobody needs to see me again until the kingdom of heaven has manifested. Because there's souls that need to hear from God. You know why I'm here at the resting place? Because I have not had one pastor at the resting place tell me, you can't do that. Not one pastor at the resting place has told me, hey, you got to wear my armor. Hey, Abraham, you got to do it the way we do it. Not one. Now we have the core values, honor everyone, empower everyone, have faith for everyone. I was living that before I came to this church. I stay because they're living by a standard that I believe in. But the rest of my life before, I was being told, you can't. You, you, you speak too many tongues. We need you to tone it down. You know how many times I was preaching and the people right there were going, tone it down. And I would just be like, they'd be like, and I'm like looking at them. I will call you out if you even try me up in here. <laughs> You're going to get a prophetic word of redemption. <laughs> it's not going to happen here. That, look, it can't, it can't happen because this place is sanctified with the glory of God. Not me. This whole place. The glory of God is in this place. God has given us a place that is different, but I lived that. That time when they told me to go to, I couldn't go to the prayer parade. I was like, I'm going to go. They're like, you're, you're rebellious. I was like, I'm going to obey God. And that day I went. We didn't do much. We didn't even know what we were doing. We just walked. We're like, Lord, we're here. We got to preach to one guy. And it wasn't even me. My friend prayed for them, for the guy. I was just like, what do I do? But God only wanted me to go and scout out the territory for what I was going to do. I used to take my friends and I used to go to the village. I was like, this is where God brought me from. And one day, one day we're going to preach through these streets. I didn't know what I was even saying, but God told me that's what I was going to do. So I used to tell people, and just because God gave you a word doesn't mean you're going to do it right now. Write it on your journal. Write it in your journal. Not everything God gives you is going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen. But you don't choose the time. He's only telling you what he's going to do to encourage you that you're not wasting your time. But it's here in my journal. I have many journals. Journal. See what God's promising you. And I remember we went, but it was really funny because then my pastor called me, hey, where were you? I need to see you in church. I was like, I told you. Wally laughs because she knows my attitude. I was like, I told you. I used to have a nasty attitude, guys. I didn't even preach like this. One of these days, I'm going to bring my old CDs. going to be like, oh. <laughs> I used to be like angry. The church made me mad. I loved the church, and I was crazy. God took me from darkness to marvelous light. I used to uh, hate the church. I hated Christianity, right, Wally? She used to call me and preach to me on the phone. This is how funny it was. God used me to get her saved. And then a few years later, I leave church. I leave everything. Then she's in ministry calling me like, Abe, you know that the Lord called you. 
You know that you need to go to church. You know that God is calling. And I'm like, bleep, 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 bleep. I'm not going to say the words because I got the mic. <laughs> and then it flipped, <laughs> right? And then I end up as a pastor out of nowhere. I'm like, what? I'm telling you, what God told you, you better write it down. Because it will happen. And it was funny because that Sunday, I said, I told you I was going to pride. He goes, wow. Can I tell you something? The word of the Lord today at church was, priest, do not walk through the valley, through the valley of bones, but prophets do. Priests don't go. God didn't take a priest into the valley of bones. He said they get contaminated. But the prophets could walk through valley of bones and they prophesy life. And then he even knew that I, the very person that told me, you can't do it, all of a sudden was like, oh, you were supposed to do it. And then I was like, hallelujah, praise God. I'm glad I trusted the Lord. I'm glad I trusted the Lord and not man. You know, now if they tell you don't sin, then yeah, they're telling you right. Because God's never going to tell you to go sin. Not, God's never going to tell you to treat people like trash. So you know whose voice. Because some people are like, well, God told me I could do this. Well, let me tell you that's not the voice of God. Oh, but you just said no. I was like, I said God spoke to me. And God spoke to me to go preach to a people. God told me to go see what people were doing. God never said go act and live and be like that. So we got to discern what is God calling us to do? Because I have to go there too. You know why? Because then people take it to another extreme. Oh, well, you said that. Yeah, I want to know what God told you. If you tell me, you, I'm going to listen to what you tell me. Tell me what God said. I've had people say, oh, yeah, God told me I could live out of wedlock. Lies. Oh, God told me I could go get drunk. Lies. He sets you free. And free indeed. And freedom is not to do whatever you want. Freedom is to do what you were never able to do before. You know what you weren't able to do before? Live holy, live righteous. You didn't know how to treat people right. You were selfish, greedy, lustful. And now you live holy because he set you free from the bondage of lies. And all of a sudden you experience freedom in your heart. My heart was full of hate. I thought I was a victim. I had a victim mentality. And I did, I had a reason. I was abused, molested, abandoned, rejected, bullied, beat up. I mean, I could go down the list and it would be endless. But when Jesus encountered me, then Jesus confronted the sin in my heart. And he says, your sin is hate. I never thought sin, I never thought my sin was hate. And that's what he confronted in me. So now I go. And, he, and you know how he healed me? Through forgiveness. Not just because he forgave me. The very forgiveness he poured in me. Then he said, go to your molester and care for your molester that has cancer. Freedom was poured out. And then he says, now you're going to go to that very pastor that shamed you. And you ask for forgiveness. <gasps> Freedom. And he says, now you're going to go to this other pastor. And then you're going to go to this lady that did it. And you're going to go to this guy. And I just started going through the journey that I call the rampage of love. And as I become a pastor, God said, everything I've taught you out here, when nobody wanted you, is the very thing 
you're going to teach the church. I remember in 2013 when the Lord says, you're not going to be a member at no church. I'm going to take you to the streets because I'm going to teach you how to love the church in the streets. I couldn't even descend other people in the streets or church. Because we live in a very different place than God does. God lives in eternity. We live in time. This is time. So because we don't see them safe here, we're like, oh, they're not church. We don't even know what they went through here. We don't know what they went through here. But just we're looking at people at this present moment. We don't even know that their great-grandmother was a missionary. Yeah, they gay and they in the club. Yeah, they may be, a, be a, a, a prostitute in the street corner right now. But you don't even know who her mother was. But we're looking at people's present and not looking at the lineage of ministers that have been praying for that child. David comes from a lineage. He was rejected over there taking care of sheep because nobody wanted him in the house. But he came from a lineage. And the promise of God was still traveling. And in, there was going to be the right time, the right moment that David was going to encounter the glory of God. There was the right time and the right moment that Abraham was going to encounter the glory of God. There was the right time and the right moment that you were going to encounter God. Because God's seeing the whole picture. We're only like right here. So we don't get it because we only look in the present. But God goes, these are my people. You see them broken here. Oh, but you should see what I see. You should see the rest of their life. Those are my people, and they don't know it. Did God ever give you a blessing you never prayed for? A gift that you didn't know you wanted, but when you got it, you knew that's what you wanted? Me, pastoring. That's a gift that I gave up on, but it's a gift I always wanted. But he knew the time. People saw me broken here, but they didn't see me pastoring here. So the Lord was like, Abraham. He spoke to all the Abrahams of my day right there, to me. Every me, every me in every single moment. When until you go to glory, you think your every day doesn't exist. When you go to heaven, you'll see that your life is like a big photo album that's alive. Every day of your life is, is alive. And when God speaks, he's not speaking to this moment. He's speaking from the ending to the beginning. He speaks through every day of your life. He comes through. And he meets you in that place, I promise. He meets you because he knows you're here already. That's why when I came to God, I'm like, God, my sin, my issue. And he's like, you're a prophet to the nations. Because he saw me here, but I only saw me back here. Does this make sense? When you go to glory, you'll be like, oh, this is trippy. I was there. I was like, how can all the days of my life? I was standing on this platform, and I saw all the days of my life. Like moving Polaroids. I'm like, but every single day of my life is before you? He goes, every single day of your life is before me. I'm like, Crazy. How do I even go back to earth and explain this to people? I'm just trying now. I've had like 10 years with all this information. That was in 2013. That's how he is. He's not speaking to you from your present. He's speaking to you from your seated heavenly spot. You're already seated in the table. You don't know it. So he speaks to you from this place and it travels through time. And he meets you at the very beginning. He didn't speak this way. He spoke this way. It's aligned. And when you discover that, you discover your destiny. You discover your purpose. You're like, whoa. I know he's like getting blasted right there. He's like, <laughs> you could go, bro. You could go right up. You got permission. 
You should have seen his face. I saw it from here. <laughs> he just literally blacked out. <laughs> his eyes crossed and he went. <laughs> oh my God, it's so wonderful. I never knew that just a few years later, God was going to call me back into the streets and I was going to meet a young lady and that young lady was going to start an organization. You might meet, you might get the person saved that's going to lead you to your destiny. You might think is that, oh, if I get next to this pastor, my destiny might be fulfilled. And you don't even know that it might be the girl in the club that God placed a vision in her and what you got to do is rescue her bring her to the glory, and then she's going to unleash something that you're going to be like, oh, this is what I always wanted to do. And then you run that way. I promise you, I'm a living testimony of it. My friend Wally's a living testimony. If you simply obey God, you might meet a homeless person, a broken person, but that might be the millionaire. That might be the ministry person. That might be your, your partner in ministry one day. Because if somebody, look at Jesus. Why didn't Jesus go to the temple and raise up people that were probably learning scriptures and wanting to be scholars and theologians? Jesus looks there and he's like, no. Let's go to the streets and find some messed up people to raise them up as the ones that will shift the way that this world will go forever. And let me tell you something. Jesus is still in that business of finding broken people to raise them up as leaders. I was just at this conference. There was a lot of pastors there. And I'm hearing the, like a few stories because everybody was to themselves because everybody was so interested in personalities. And I'm looking in the room and I'm like, oh, hello. All oh, you guys are warriors. But they couldn't believe it. So they're looking at that person. I'm just like, you guys are warriors. So I went around the room, prophesied to a few people and they were like shocked. Like, how do you know so much about me? I'm in the spirit. I'm like, what? I was like, I'm in the spirit right now. I know you don't see it, but let me tell you what God's showing me. People were like, that's deep. People were crying and then they were gone, but nobody was interested in relationship. That's why when we opened today, I was so glad to get back because we have relationship here. We're not just keeping an image in this church. Or like, we go to church, we don't know. I know all of you. Little by little, I'm getting to know your hearts, your situations, and I get to speak life into those situations. I don't want that. I went to that conference and I came back knowing I don't want to wear that armor. That's not my armor. I'm going to wear the very armor that I wore when I was in the streets, when nobody wanted me. That looks like Abraham singing for hours in his house. It looks like Abraham going to the beach and in the middle of the ocean just singing to God. These people are still talking about experiencing God in the building. I'm like, oh, we need the presence. I was like, hello. I didn't come here to feel presence. I came to that conference and I wanted to meet pastors. I, I was expecting st similar stories. And I live hungry for that. Back in the day, I used to go to conference because I needed glory. But the thing is, I carry the glory of God. You carry the glory of God. So I'm not going to go to a conference to experience something supernatural when I am living supernatural every day. Why am I going to go to a meeting waiting for revival? Revival is, Jesus is revival. You can't tell me that you got Jesus in your heart and you need revival. No. Jesus is life. You know who needs revival? Something that's dead. 
You can't have life and death in the same place. You cannot. If we're saying we need revival, you know, to revive somebody, when you go to the hospital, you need to give them beep, beep, boom. Right or wrong? What happens if you do that to somebody that's alive? You kill them. So do we need revival? Or do we need to walk in the life that's already in us? If your church is dead, then yeah, it needs revival. Well, we don't need revival here. We are revival here because no longer we live, but Christ lives in us. Presence is not a feeling. Presence is not an experience. The presence of God is Jesus himself. It's Jesus. It's having Jesus. That is the, yeah, it's nice to feel the waves. It's fine. It's, it's awesome. But all that happens because we're holding on to his hand. And when we hold on to his hand, he takes us. Woohoo! But the place is not the presence of God. He is the presence of God. Oh, we want to go to heaven. He is heaven. You go to heaven and God's not in heaven, it's hell. Heaven is God. It's in God. It's engulfed in him. Regardless of what it looks like, it's in God and through God. That's it. But look what David said to Saul. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. You know how you prayed when you didn't have a church? When everybody left you, you were still praying. You were still experiencing God's glory. So what does it matter that King Saul didn't accept the anointing you have? Because you knew that he met you in that place. You found a secret place with Jesus even if your husband left you. Even if your pastor betrayed you. Even if everybody gave you the back. You're like, oh, it hurts. It's not taking away from the fact that it hurts. It hurts because we're human. But we found a place. We found the person. We fought battles. I fought battles. I went places. I ministered in places and to people that I, I used to always be like, I could never go to a church and sell these stories because nobody's going to believe me. So what? Don't give stories for people to believe you. Give the stories of the things that happened, the things that God has done in your life. And regardless if people believe or not, it don't matter. I speak because I believe. I never preach for anybody in here to believe me. I never preach for people in social media to believe me. No, I'm imparting faith. Faith comes through hearing, hearing the Word of God. Whether you like it or not, you're going to believe it. You know why? Maybe not now, but it, you'll go through it. You'll go through your situation, and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember what he told us. It was the truth. And some people believe it, and they step out into their destiny. They say, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid to talk to the homeless. I'm not going to be afraid to bless somebody in the streets. And then you taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not going to be afraid to walk in Walmart and give somebody a prophetic word. And then you do it. You're like, whoa, I didn't think this could happen. So the very experiences I had then, I'm bringing them now. I'm teaching them now. I don't need to teach something else. Some people might be like, oh, well, maybe you should change your sermon. No, I'm not going to change my sermon. I'm not going to preach what you want me to preach. You should go preach what you want me to preach. Because it's obviously in your heart. 
If you have a message, don't expect the pastor to preach the message you want. It's time you get into scripture. It's time you get your journal and write the message that you feel that pastor should be preaching. And get the mic, work to the place to get it, or go to the streets, or build a group, or build a class, or build a teaching, and release what God's giving you. Go on social media. You have, everybody has social media. Get on TikTok and preach. Get on Facebook. Get on Instagram. If you want to preach and God gave you a message, stop expecting for the pastor to preach that message. It's not the gift that God gave the pastor. God gave you that message. So you release that message. Stop wanting me to do what you want me to do when God wanted you to do that. If you start doing what God called you to do, you're going to see the glory of God like you've never seen the glory of God before. Too many people are waiting, but God is waiting on you. Be bold enough. Be daring enough. Step out in faith, and you will see the glory of God. So David refused to compromise. He's like, let me tell you something, Saul. I know you want me to not. You think I can't do this, but I fought the bear. I fought the lion. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of God. And the same God that was with me to take down the bear, and the same God that was with me to take down the lion, is the same God that is with me to take down the giant. I feel like a preacher right now. Weird. <laughs> I don't know, I just feel authority. Like, was I just preaching? <laughs> I feel like a blackout. <laughs> It always happens that way. I just go blank. I almost feel like I hear the echo. <laughs> like, I just said that. <laughs> and he says, when I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. There's demons. There's battles you fought, and the church needs to find out those battles. You fought depression. You fought anxiety. You fought suicide. You thought you were going to die from HIV. You were abused, molested, rejected, but you fought the battle. And now God is calling you to a place. Do not compromise the message that God gave you. Do not compromise your testimony so it could be pleasing to the ears. Tell the world what God did for you. Tell the world. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. You see, when you experience the might of God, it doesn't matter the battle because you know the battle belongs to the Lord. You know that the God you believe in is greater than all the battles of the world put together. Because you know, David knew. David wasn't talking theology. David wasn't even talking hope. David was talking knowledge. I know. I kill, People might not believe that you killed the lion. People not, might not believe that you killed the bear. People might not believe what you went through. Be like, mm. you might tone it down. I got invited to churches years ago. They should be like, don't give that story. Then I can't come. We want you to preach and release a prophetic word, but don't give your testimony. Then I can't come to your church, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is salvation to whosoever believes. And I believe in what he did with me. If you like what God is doing with me now, let me show you my story. You like the glory, but let me show you the story. 
Let me show you why I am the way that I am. Let me show you why I'm as bold as I am. And it's because I am the great I am met me, saved me, redeemed me, healed me. That's why I do what I do. Because he has defiled the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And this is how we talk to the enemy. Yeah, I'm going through a battle, but the Lord that saved me from addiction, the Lord that saved me from brokenness will be the Lord that will save my marriage. The Lord that saved me from the club, the Lord that saved me from suicide will be the God that will save my ministry. Different battles but the same God. Different battles but the same Lord. Woo! And then Saul said, go and be with the Lord. But here comes another excuse. But then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, his own armor. Look at somebody be like, I can't wear your armor. Look Right now, look at somebody and be like, I can't wear your armor. I can't wear your armor. I'm going to wear my armor. Say it, I'm going to wear my armor. I'm going to wear the robe my father gave me. Say it. I'm going to wear the robe my father gave me. Maybe he gave you a robe. And maybe he gave you a breastplate. Maybe he just gave you a helmet. Whatever he gave you, wear it. Wear it with pride in your heart. Because it's what daddy gave you because it's exactly the only thing you need. It's the only thing you need. You don't need to wear Abraham's mantle. You don't need to wear the famous preacher's mantle, the famous preacher's coat. No. Wear exactly what your father gave you. It's made to your fitting. Say it. It's made to my fitting. Daddy, God knows the size of you. God, Daddy knows the weight you can carry and bear. You might wear something that is too light for you. Or you might wear something that is too heavy for you. Wear exactly what Daddy God's prepared for you. So he dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fasted on the sword of the, over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And he says, I cannot go in these. I cannot wear your armor because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. See, Saul knows how to fight only with a sword, with a shield, with heavy armor. But David fights with a staff. David goes, picks up five rocks and a little sling. What are you going to do with that? That's not how you fight giants. That's not how you cast out demons. And David's like, yeah, you don't cast out demons like this, but I cast out demons with a harp. I cast out demons with worship. People over here shouting, trying to cast out demons. You ever hug the demon out of somebody? You could hug demons out of people's lives. You could speak in such an encouraging form that a person could be delivered from suicide. 
You don't have to beat them on the head with a Bible. You don't need 10 ushers tackling a person down in the name of Jesus. Come over here. I've seen people have fled from me with a hug. People have fled from me as soon as I stepped to them and I said, I love you. Get away from me! I'm like, what? Come over here now. You ever seen that? You got to do it the way God called you to do it. The way that he did it with you with the bear. The way that he did it with you with the lion, he's going to do it over here with the Philistine. That's it. And then you kill one giant, ten giants might show up. And you don't need to change your armor. You wear your same armor. You have a gift. You have a talent. You have an anointing. You don't need, don't stop trying to change for people. Stop trying to change for people. When God made you this way, God has raised you up this way. God has given you a certain style of worship. God has given you a certain style of ministering. God has given you a certain way to do it. Do it. You know how many people tell me, oh, well, you should evangelize this way and you shouldn't do that. And you should shut up because I didn't even ask you. Don't be afraid to tell somebody, shut up. In honor, I love you, but shut up. Stop trying to influence me. Well, maybe you should get married because that is your testimony. You're getting kind of old and you should do this and you should do that. Shut up. It ain't your business. If you're not even doing what God called you to do, who do you think you are to tell me what I got to do? You got demons, Saul. You're tormented in the middle of the night. I'm over here worshiping in the presence of God. That's why glory soaking ain't going nowhere. This is the way God called me to do it. This is the way we're going to continue to do it. Ushering him the presence of God. Ushering in Jesus himself because this is his house. I don't need to change it. The same way I got delivered alone in worship is the same way everybody around me is going to get delivered in worship. In worship. Acknowledging worship means you acknowledge him for who he is. We don't worship ourselves. We don't worship our brothers and sisters. No, we come humbly before the throne of grace. And we, when you worship, you're only declaring to him who he is. It's like, oh, you're beautiful. He knows you're beautiful. He knows he's beautiful. But you go, Lord, you're beautiful. Lord, you're powerful. You don't think the Lord knows he's powerful? He says in scripture, there is no one like so we acknowledge there is no one like you. We are in agreement with him. When we come to the Lord, you are healer. You are faithful. Yes, you are. Yes. When we sing, if you read the words, we're not singing to sing. Read the words of what we're singing. We're acknowledging when we were singing, he is faithful. When you go to heaven, all you do is sing of who he is. Of his wonders and might, if you open your scripture, you'll see that it's only expressing who he is. And as we express who he is, he expresses to us who we are. And then we can decree and declare who we are. Because he told us, don't be afraid to say, I'm precious. You could say, I am his workmanship. You could say, I am royal priesthood. Not in a prideful, boastful way against your brothers and sisters, I could look at him and be like, you're a royal priesthood. That's who you are. You are a holy nation, and you're a peculiar one. 
We can because that's what the Bible says. We declare what the Bible says. I mean, what he says. We only declare. There's people that pray and then there's people that declare. Are you still praying or are you declaring? Because I'm, I'm telling my whole life is shifting to declaring. I'm like, I, people are like, can you pray for this? I'm like, I'm being pulled into declarations. I can't even like normally pray like, oh, Father God, if it would be your will, would I be healed? No. I command healing because by your stripes we are healed. I declare salvation because the chastisement of my peace went upon you. By my, by, you were crushed for my iniquities. You could say it, but you could only say it. You could only, you pray when you don't know, but you declare when you know. When you know what heaven says, your prayer life changes. You literally command life into people because you know what eternity is saying. There's the begging part. The people that don't know you, they're like begging and asking, can we please? And then you go, you're not telling God what to do. You're like, God, I am in agreement with you. I am in agreement with your word. I am in agreement with what you say and do. Amen? Let me see if I was done reading this. So he took his staff in his hand, chose five stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his laying in his hand, approached the Philistine. We'll leave it there. And then you know what happens next. He goes into battle. You don't have to go into battle with anybody else's armor. Wear your armor. It might look different. It might look like a garden dress. But go into battle with your garden dress. Every, God's clothed everybody here in very different glorious garments. I'm telling you, every single one of our mansions in heaven are very uniquely made for our liking and our desires that maybe we don't even know. When we get there, we're like, oh my God, it's what I always wanted. And we didn't know that's what we wanted. But every single one of you, God has given you talents. He has given you gifts. He has given you anointings. Walk in it. Walk in it. And don't compare. Stop trying to be like anybody else. And when somebody comes and tries you, be like, I can't wear your armor. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.